friends. Hi. We just wanted to inform you that we got some new merch up in the Art History Babes store. ArtHistoryBabes.com slash merchandise. Van Gogh themed merch. Fun things. It's it's Van Gogh month. It's Van Gogh month. We are at the Art History Babes. <laughs> For no particular reason. Just and, September is Van Gogh month. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why not? <laughs> so head over to our website. Check out the new stuff. We've got sports bras. We've got leggings. We've got stickers. We've got some dope t-shirts. You could be Starry Night for Halloween. You could. You could just be Starry Night. You <laughs> could get a Starry Night sports bra and leggings. Yeah. Or you could just be Starry Night at the gym. That's Whatever. true. <laughs> Around your house. It is up to you. Definitely go check that stuff out. We've also got the classics up. You know, the Art History Babe TM t-shirts. And we've got tote bags. We've got coffee mugs all that good stuff so sweet new stickers with the smoking skull yep so check that stuff out man and uh help support nerd history babes yeah get on that limited time merch game (laughs) oh yeah we didn't even say it's limited edition the van gogh stuff is limited edition it's gonna go away it's gonna go away it will only be there for a handful of weeks so you should probably jump on it while you have the chance thanks for listening Thanks, guys. Are awesome. We love you so much. Bye bye. From Cabernet to Montmartre, they're here to slay the art history babes. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. I'm Natalie, and we are the art history babes. And today we have not only a very fun topic, but a very fun special guest, Farron Gibson, host of the Art Matters podcast. Hi, Farron. Hi, thanks for having me. So the idea for this collaboration and these topics came from Farron. And I want to say thank you for this idea because I've spent the last day just watching Drag Race and watching Lady Gaga videos. <laughs> And it's been fantastic. <laughs> yeah, this is my job. Like I sometimes I'm like, oh, I want to do a podcast on like The Simpsons or whatever. And then I'm like, now I have to sit down for work and watch The Simpsons. <laughs> it's not a bad life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's been a great 24 hours marathoning all sorts of drag race and Gaga related material. But before we get into talking about art and culture and all that, do you want to tell us a little bit about the Art Matters podcast and your whole Art Matters UK thing? Yeah, sure, sure. So Art UK is a charity in the UK. And we, a couple of years ago, had a project to kind of digitize the UK's public art collections. So that's going to like the Tate Museum, the National Gallery, small, like local collections that you may not have ever heard of existing and photographing their oil paintings. And some of these places don't necessarily have the resources or the time to do that. So it was a way of kind of helping pool resources to digitize these images. And then we have them on our website, artuk.org, where people can just go looking through, you know, the collections and some of these things are in storage. So you wouldn't be able to see it if you go to a museum. So it's, it's pretty cool. Now we have a project coming up where we're photographing sculptures. So pretty soon we'll have 
sculptures coming onto the site and it'll be the same thing where you can look at painting, sculpture. And what we like to do is have stories on the website and produce content that helps people wade through all of this art because right now it's over 200,000 paintings on the website. So as you can imagine, you can't just start searching and see everything. So mm -hmm. we, we like to do things that surface these interesting stories. Art Matters is a podcast that I host that is to explore art and pop culture. So hopefully exploring art through ways that people don't usually think about it so that maybe, you know, you don't like art or you don't know about art or feel comfortable about art, but you feel comfortable about tattoos or Beyonce or mm. whatever. And then you, you can access art through those topics. Love it. Yeah, definitely speaking our language there. <laughs> yeah. Have you been really involved in the digitization of the collections and that aspect of things? No. So I started in November of 2017. Much of my job is looking after social media and the podcast and a little bit of the story content that goes on the site. Okay. And then we have co coordinators across the country who kind of sort out the actual photography aspect of things. Very cool. We just recorded an episode on Farron's podcast, Art Matters, where we got to kind of dive into the world of RuPaul's Drag Race. Mm -hmm. And yes. it was a lot of fun. <laughs> so for this episode, we're going to kind of tangentially continue that conversation and dive into the world of Lady Gaga, which I think also kind of relates to we recently did our episode on Beyonce's apeshit video and people seem to really like that episode. And I know that Farron, you also did an episode on that video. So if you liked that episode, you should go check hers out as well. So this is kind of, I guess, going further down that road of pop culture, contemporary popular musicians as artists and yeah. exploring all of that. Using artistic motifs, things that... Yes, like the Ariana Grande video. Recently. Oh, yeah. About this. Oh, Tell yeah. We can, we can talk about that. <laughs> talk about it, guys. I want to know. <laughs> oh, uh, what is it? Is it called God is a Woman? Or? It is called God is a Woman. Yeah. I have this, so I have this weird thing with Ariana Grande. I personally, for some reason, just her music doesn't do much for me, but I love her. Fair. Like I follow her on social media and I just think she's fantastic, but I just like don't really listen to a lot of her music. But I'm like oddly on top of what's going on with Ariana Grande. <laughs> I, mean, I mean this in a positive way because this is usually a negative term. But she's really mousy. Like, yeah, she's like something about her is just like a little mouse, and it's yeah. so cute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like a total babe at the same time, yes. like a, a yes. mousy babe. Yeah, Have you guys like seen a cute the meme little mouse where yeah. the guy's basically being like how she's sitting on that stool is impossible. Like that one album cover yeah. that she's sitting. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah. I've tried this a hundred times. It's impossible. <laughs> yeah, she's just like not real life. She's like a little doll. Yeah, for real. But so she recently came out with the God is a Woman video. It's just a badass. Like listen to the name of the title. God is a Woman. Yeah. Like yeah. It's just badass. And then the video is referencing oh. a lot of art historical imagery specifically michelangelo and you've got ariana grande she's god she's doing the creation of adam thing yeah there's a scene in there where it looks like the pantheon yep. and there's there's a lot of like o'keefe references mm -hmm. like you know vaginal scenery <laughs> yeah I saw, I saw something where it was 
her laying down and she's half painted and half of it is her and half of it's fake body parts and she's like moving sound familiar oh yeah 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 was that this video yes okay so i saw that one still (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm not completely disconnected i did see that and that was gorgeous it's a visually very stunning video and the end shot is like clear michelangelo reference and then it was interesting because it was a lot of women of color. So like the Adam equivalent, it was like a black woman. And then she's kind of surrounded by a lot of black and brown women, which was really interesting. It felt like very purposeful. Mm, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. But just, we're not talking about Aria. Well, really quickly, before we leave her, I do want to say... I wasn't even ready for that. In reference to that opening scene where she's part of the painting, essentially, like looks like she's floating in a bucket of paint and water. It said in that thing that I was reading, she had a heavy hand in the actual painting process. And like it was her idea to do the stuff around her face. And she artistically had a hand in it. So not just being a canvas, but Mm -hmm. actually participating. I think that's what I like about her. I get a vibe that she is very hands on involved in her art, Uh which I appreciate. As a way of bringing this full circle, I will say that her brother was on Drag Race. either on season 10 or on the all-stars because they have an episode where they do makeovers and he got a drag makeover so we have now come full circle (laughs) yes nice (laughs) good connection well done you're on task (laughs) all right so we just recorded an episode where we talked about drag race and we kind of left it off talking a little bit about Lady Gaga in the episode of Drag Race in which she surprised everyone. It's a very lovely emotional moment. I guess we kind of left it off talking about notions of costuming and performance and playing with identity. So I don't know if that's a good place to start with kind of dissecting Lady Gaga a little bit. Yeah. Okay. When you were talking about her playing with identity and things, it made me think of the GUI song she has off Art Pop, mm-hmm. which is the title of the kind of Art Pop film that she did as well. And GUI, you're like, oh, it means guy. And she's like, I want to be that guy. Mm-hmm. But it stands for girl under you. Mm-hmm. And then even in the song, she says to the man, she's saying like, you can be my G-I-R-L. But I can't remember what that stands for. Guy, i really love or something like that so anyway it's there it's like flipping those terms and things and and playing with gender which is really interesting yeah and i think that's something gaga's been doing for a lot of her career is kind of just jumping all over from hyper feminine to hyper masculine Mm -hmm. to just like i do what i want you know like kind of the gaga persona i think when people think about lady gaga they jump to crazy costumes and crazy stunts and things Mm -hmm. like that. And I think the underlying artistry of what's going on there is very similar to like what's going on in Drag Race. Like Drag Race isn't just men dressing up as women at all. You know, it's people expressing identity and expressing all different types of culture or visual artistry through costuming. And performance. Just expression, period. Mm-hmm. Like, in whatever way, whatever you're needing to express, whether you feel like that's part of you, an identity that you just like to jump into every now and then, or wanting to act. I mean, it's, yeah. it can be anything. And that's why it's just pure expression, like art. RuPaul's always saying, we're all born naked and the rest is drag. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. his attitude toward it is that like, 
everything we're doing is a form of drag, you know, every day. Oh, definitely. Like putting together any type of outfit, no matter whether it falls in line with mainstream fashion or or whatever it is, putting together an outfit, you're trying to say something about Mm -hmm. yourself to the world. Mm -hmm. Like I do not put any thought into what I'm wearing when I'm sitting at home working all day. But if I'm going to leave the house, I think about it, you know, like Mm -hmm. you're like, I want to express something. Or if I'm like recording a YouTube video, I'm going to intentionally put on a certain outfit. Whereas when it's just me alone, like I don't care. you know. (laughs) So I like that quote a lot because yeah, you're always, no matter what your personal fashion sense is, you're always kind of projecting something to the world. Even on the flip side, if you think of people who are stereotypically not into costumey fashion or high fashion like Steve Jobs and the turtleneck what he's saying is I don't care enough about this to spend any time on it so I'm just gonna wear the same thing every day so he's even making a statement in one outfit in like not making a statement he's making a statement yeah you're you're always kind of saying something you're saying either it's important to you it's unimportant I always joke around I'm like I want to look like the curator at a Scandinavian museum that's what I want to look like like every day that's and it's funny look. because sometimes people will see something and they'll send it to me on Instagram or something you're like I saw this outfit and it made me think of you and it'll be right and I'm like okay I have a brand mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> you have an aesthetic <laughs> I have an aesthetic yeah exactly it's what you want to project isn't it dress for the job you want or dress for you know it's a phrase yeah. For a reason, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, I think it's something we all engage in to a certain extent. But then when you take it to levels of things like Lady Gaga and Drag Race, it's just more of a spectacle, which makes it interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. just yeah. it's just interesting to really look at, you know, it's more detailed. There's more to it. So it's interesting to really like hash out what's happening with each outfit and each performance because that applies to Drag Race and to Lady Gaga. Like each outfit is intentional. Each performance is intentional and each one has a different meaning and sometimes a different identity associated with them. All the way down to the documentary that we were watching on Netflix about her, Gaga, yeah. Five Foot Two. Oh, yes. I'm watch that. Yeah. Oh, you should check it out. You should. It takes place basically while she was recording Joanne, her most recent album. So like I have been a Lady Gaga fan for a very long time. Since she kind of first hit the scene, I was really into Lady Gaga and Nat just hasn't. So experience for me watching that and kind of having attachments to her past music and her past identity, I think was probably very different from what Natalie got out of it. Because this documentary really like explores this phase of her career and this phase of her identity and what she's trying to portray. Yeah, just even doing this research and looking back at the time that she was kind of up and coming and hit the scene and all of that. I mean, I was in high school and was just not super interested in pop music. And there's nothing smugger than a high school kid who doesn't like popular things. So I had no interest in understanding what she was you about. You such I just, a high school art kid. Oh, gosh. So smug. But, you know, I just didn't take the time to look at anything deeper. And if you don't take the time to look at Gaga as something deeper than just the surface, then she does seem very sugary and like nothing and she's anything but but it just took me getting older and you know humbling (laughs) to actually pop music but I think she's one of the people who's made me look at it as a legitimate artistic form of music totally and just liking it totally um, because really pushed that narrative 
But it's also a full experience. If you don't engage with all of it, you're not going to get that. And I didn't do that. So I can speak from experience. Like if you're not watching the videos, if you're not really engaged in what she's putting out there visually and audibly, then you're not going to get it. Mm -hmm. And I was hearing her songs on the radio and in places like that, and I didn't get it. And now looking back, it's so interesting. And I want her to have like a resurgence. (laughs) As I was saying that, I like I finished saying that, and I was like, "Good point, Baron." And then I thought, <laughs> I was thinking about Michael Jackson, though, who did pop music, like definitely like in pop, and he did a lot of artistic things, and is the first person to really introduce a mega music videos and stuff. She's not the first one to do it, but I guess yeah, maybe yeah. in recent times, and a woman doing it, Madonna. Being kind of- yeah, Madonna. We got to talk about her. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I know. So, I mean, Lady Gaga undeniably references Madonna. Mm-hmm. And there's apparently, at least what we got from the documentary, some like kind of beef between Lady Gaga and Madonna. Not apparently. Like... I think it's like, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> no, that was straight from Gaga's mouth. So, yeah. it seemed pretty legit. I found that very interesting because my take on that was so Lady Gaga definitely references Madonna is inspired by Madonna that is definitely there but I just thought it was really interesting because so my favorite Lady Gaga video of all the videos is Alejandro I adore that video I watched it today so did we Mm -hmm. it's dirty and erotic and I love it and it's beautiful (laughs) (laughs) it's so good it's one of her videos that makes me feel things like it's just a good video but it references Madonna clearly like there are stills that are like straight from Madonna videos but my take on that was not that she was stealing from Madonna she was just paying homage to Madonna like every artist has done forever yeah so it goes past stealing when it's that overt, I think. Right? And then, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not stealing. That Stealing is more subtle in that case. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I feel like the Madonna references in that video are basically paying respect to Madonna. It's interesting to me that Madonna has shit to say about Lady Gaga because I feel like Lady Gaga respects Madonna, you know, is very open about the fact that she's an influence of hers. So it's interesting think, to me. I think Madonna found it annoying speaking for madonna like because we're we're tight like that i think she probably (laughs) found it annoying that there was so much homage paid to her like there reaches a point where it's like okay how many songs are you gonna do or how many videos are you gonna do that are kind of in my space right because the the born this way took it to another level like born this way versus express yourself yeah that's true that's true Yeah. And I I guess it would get a little weird, like if you don't know each other, too. Like if you kind of are in the same world and the same industry doing kind of similar things and then you don't like know each other and it keeps coming up. Maybe Madonna was feeling a little like stalked. (laughs) Mariah Carey and Ariana Grande. There was a bit of beef there as well. One sided beef. Yeah. One sided from, from Mariah Carey. What did she say? What happened? Well, she's well, you know, you know how she is. She's kind of like, I don't know her. You know, that's her vibe. Yeah. <laughs> I think there were a lot of comparisons when Ariana Grande first came out of like, oh, she kind of sounds like you. And I think she did a cover of a Mariah Carey song. And so people started asking Mariah Carey a lot about Ariana Grande. And she was like, um, you should be asking her about me, not in reverse. Oh, yeah. I, I know. It kind of sounds like some, uh, what would you call it? 
like the patriarchy in our mind. Like, oh, snap. Like these women getting a little threatened by women, up and coming. Woman on woman beef. Ooh. Yeah. Doesn't it kind of seem like, like. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting point. There's a pattern here of a younger, newly successful artist kind of paying homage to someone who's already well established and kind of off the radar. And then that person getting really upset. <laughs> Because you know what happens? It's like in Hollywood, you cross a certain age threshold and now are your roles are like moms and grandmothers. You know, you're no, yeah, you yeah. no longer are offered the hot young thing role. So when somebody but, comes directly for your spot. Totally. But I also feel like we're going to have a new wave of discomfort where our generation of women seems less affected by age and all of that and seems to be trying to push ageism out a little Mm -hmm. bit. So I feel like now it's going to be a whole new thing where women who are a generation above us or so are going to become even more bitter because women are going to be resisting the ageism. Does that make sense a little bit? Like I see what you're saying. It's one of those things where generationally, the older generation tends to get really sour about things that they weren't allowed to do in their time and now people are allowed to do. And they get very defensive and angry and they want to almost like push those values that they didn't even like themselves onto you because it's like, well, if I had to live with them, you should too. Like if I didn't get to get divorced, you shouldn't get to get divorced. If I didn't get to be openly gay, you shouldn't get to be openly gay. Like people want everyone to experience the suffering that they did. You sit in your room and cry like I had to. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. You keep your feelings to yourself like we all did. It's just so so prevalent. And I feel like that's going to be the next wave of our generation just not caring about age as much in the sense of we're not going to be pushed out based on our age and then older generations like mom bods and stuff i saw christy did a picture the other day and stuff and i'm like thank god you know i have a two-year-old and i'm like thank god i'm just gonna lean into this you know yeah yeah (laughs) i mean of course it's on the tail of dad bods but whatever we'll we'll catch them sometime (laughs) anyway that went on anyways that was a (laughs) pop culture tangent but it was good (laughs) well just in line with that she had mentioned in the documentary her methodology at one point which was kind of like uh when they want her to be like sexier or poppier she just pushes back with something that's just equally as strange or Mm -hmm. like othering to try and counteract the overt sexual she's not afraid of being overtly sexual but she doesn't want to be sexualized or overtly objectified it seems unless like. unless it's in her hands exactly she so wa- she's yeah. gonna add an element to it that makes it interesting that makes it provocative in order to kind of counteract her just being like a vessel for yeah. sexuality yeah. or she, just for whatever the music industry wants to put on her exactly like, yeah she talked about is it in the music video for applause where she has that Marilyn look where yeah. she's like a bloody Marilyn. Yeah. And so oh, a bloody Marilyn. Yeah. Is she's that like, a drink? That should be a drink. <laughs> should be a drink. I drink that. <laughs> <laughs> but she talks about how, yeah, they wanted her to perform about loving attention and applause and kind of needing it. But then she also wanted to highlight famous women who died at the mercy of yeah. fame and what that can do to a person. So just imbuing these topics that are pop topics with something a little deeper, mm-hmm. a little more interesting, um, historically well, I, relevant. I know what across the whole art pop project, there seemed to be this strong tie to Botticelli's Venus, mm-hmm, Birth mm-hmm. Of Venus. And I'm curious to know kind of what her thoughts were around that or even just like, what did you guys think about it? Because she yeah. references it a lot. 
that is I agree very interesting even just so in the applause video there are lots of references art history music film there are so many references in that video but I think the one that maybe stands out and is super clear is the Botticelli birth of Venus like there's no denying that that's what she's referencing mm-hmm. in that yeah. scene like that she is she's got the seashell bra i was gonna say i feel like the seashell bra is the only thing i think if she could have fully had it her way that would have been gone yeah (laughs) but (laughs) she compromised but i feel like it's such a clear reference just the venus idea is seen throughout art pop and i don't even know like i don't want to claim that i have some big theory on exactly why she chose that imagery or why that that's so present. I don't know if it's a assertion because I feel like Birth of Venus is an image that is loaded with femininity. It is, but it's visually loaded with femininity, but it's historically and mythologically loaded with masculinity and power because Mm -hmm. for those who don't know too much about this painting, It's depicting the Venus Uranus, who is not born of a woman. Essentially, (laughs) yeah, yeah. The the balls of Uranus got like thrown into the ocean. Yeah, she was born of what? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, you don't know this one? This is good. So she was born of sea foam. Yeah, of sea foam, and I think truly it was like Uranus's genitals (laughs) were thrown into the ocean. There was some altercation, so it was like she was made of man and sea and sea yeah and so there's no woman involved which made her technically more pure back then when the story was originated (laughs) so she was supposed to be like the purest woman because she was not born of woman almost like if you think to like the virgin mary yeah yeah, and you know being able to give birth to a child without sex she's also the goddess of love and like Mm -hmm. sex and like exactly i like that she's like reclaiming it I'm not sure exactly (laughs) what she's trying to say. Yeah, because with Botticelli's Venus, visually, I do think it's one of those images that if you don't think about it historically or mythologically, it does just scream woman. Like it does just scream femininity and beauty and love and these kinds of ideas. But yeah, when you think about the mythology surrounding it, it kind of has these new layers and these new aspects to it. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if, if it is her kind of claiming a duality, maybe, or claiming... Am I, I just wonder if I'm being a bit cynical, and I'm just like, she had an album called Art Pop, and she was like, no, Mona Lisa's too obvious. Yeah. I know, <laughs> Botticelli. And then she just bangs it on everything. It's on the yeah. cover. It's in the guy video. It's in that video. She made appearances dressed as it. There's a song called Venus. It just seems really like she's hammering it. But I mean, I guess it would be crazy to do that and not have a point. I I don't know. I honestly think that's a fair assessment of it because the concept of the Venus in general is seen throughout so much of art history. And it's such a loaded idea. So I mean... I think maybe it is a little bit of she probably just attached to that idea because it's so ubiquitous in art and it's loaded and kind of just rolled with it. Like, I don't know, maybe she did sit down and do research on the history of the Venus figure in art. But yeah, I could also see her just kind of getting the general idea of what that figure means in art history and just going with it, you know? Let's see. What else can we talk about from applause? I feel like we're just art pop in general. Well, the cover, right? 
Yeah. By Jeff Coons. Mm. Coons. <laughs> Uh-oh. What have Uh-oh. I tapped into? Uh, we just don't like Jeff Koons, like, at <laughs> all. But <laughs> but that's okay. Yeah. Like, I see what she's trying to do. And, like... This is, like, super shade. The drag on what you're saying, like, it's fine. I know. <laughs> well, I mean, he just gives us a do, real uh-oh I feeling. guess you can do that, Gaga. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like, okay, it's a big cosign on your art project that you're doing, yes. right? Yeah. You're like, I want people to take me serious as an art person. I'm going to have a big name artist do yeah. my cover in the kind of pop art space. Which Coons is the person to do that for like kind of the color, the aesthetic. I mean, I would have appreciated a hearse, but I don't think he would have done it. <laughs> Probably not. <gasps> no. What would it be? Like like a just a lot of diamonds. <laughs> just so many from diamonds. 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 Okay. I was going from Aldehyde. So I was thinking like the skull like covered in diamonds. Yeah, but like, Gaga. That'd be dope. Um, <laughs> that would be good. Or be cool. he could crust her with barnacles. A la his most recent mockumentary. Ooh, butterflies would be good. That feels more like Florence and the Machine. (laughs) Like his butterflies. I feel like that's more singer-songwritery, like witchy than Gaga. Like Coons does kind of scream Gaga a little bit. Yeah. He made a sculpture, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just like a three-dimensional. It's not like a design. It's like he made an actual sculpture of it. It's a physical thing. No, you're totally right. And it's like her in what looks like marble or plaster or something in the same position as the cover with the ball, like the cover as yeah. a huge freestanding sculpture. That is, is cool. It? Where is that? You think it's in her foyer? Like just, you know, it's <laughs> just like, welcome home. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, that that's just me. Casual freaking mirror ball. It is a dope cover, though. I do like. Yeah, this image it's probably my favorite thing that Coons has ever done. Does it pain you to love it? Do you yeah. have to get over it? To- <laughs> I mean, I love Gaga, so I can just like lean on that and just like <laughs> ignore the Coons part. <laughs> she was definitely going through a phase because this was around the time she was doing like the Maria and Bramovic stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also that, okay, I, I was going to say something judgy. There was a young lady who, who vomits paint. Ooh, Do you know about I- this artist? No. Ooh. <laughs> She eats like colored something, pigment or something, and then she vomits it up to like create her artwork. And I think Gaga did some stuff with her as well around this time. Oh, wow. That's a commitment to your craft. Yeah. Makes me a little queasy. (laughs) It's like Maria Abramovic is the lady you go to when you're like, I want to be taken serious as an art person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you go to her and she arts you up. (laughs) Yeah. There's a really good video on YouTube. It was actually right after Lady Gaga had a pretty intense surgery. And she actually like worked with Marina Abramovic a lot to like rehabilitate. And there's a video on YouTube where she's doing the Marina Abramovich method and it's kind of creepy and weird in the best way. Like, I love it, but it's like them in like the forest and Lady Gaga's doing really intense breathing exercises and stuff. Is this where she's like nude or like... I think so. I may have seen this. I think I've seen it. It's like a 10 minute video on YouTube. It's really interesting and... I'm a Marina Abramovich fan, and I've been really interested in her move into this, basically, like, these performance art 
immersion type things that she does where she like takes people into the woods and like <laughs> teaches them to be artists on some type of metaphysical level it's very interesting to me yeah. and lady gaga worked with her and did some of these exercises which i definitely think is a very interesting connection to the whole performance aspect of what gaga's doing and really diving deep into the artistry behind what she's doing. Like, obviously, she went to one of the most well known performance artists to really go deeper within herself, which I think is very yeah. interesting. But also, if you watch that video on YouTube and you check the comments, there's plenty of people screaming about the Illuminati in the comments, <laughs> and it's really funny. Oh, God. oh Lordy. <laughs> right? Was I saying Maria or Marina? Was I saying Maria? If I, I don't said know. Maria. I don't know. Okay, well, if anyone's listening and I said Maria, like, just don't judge me. <laughs> so, okay, on our, one of our very first episodes, I was talking about a Caravaggio painting and I called it a photo or like yeah. a picture or something. I think you called it a photo. I was like, yeah. they didn't have photos. Oh my gosh, then. I listened to it later. <laughs> of course, my humiliation level was a lot lower at that point. Like, anything oh. could make me embarrassed because yeah. I didn't know. Yeah, but no, I'm the kind of person who's like 10 years from now, I'm going to be like, I think I said Maria on that podcast. <laughs> yes. I'm pretty sure I said it. <laughs> totally understand. Uh, but just her work with Marina Abramovich, very interesting. I mean, I might not like Jeff Koons, but I do think the fact that they had a collaboration is interesting. Actually, I have a quote from her in an interview that she did about the Art Pop album and kind of talking about how it relates to pop art and Warholian, Warholian, Warholian? I think Warholian. <laughs> Warholian ideas. And she said, Warhol put the celebrity on the canvas, and this is about putting the canvas in the celebrity. Wait, what is it? means what do you think it means <laughs> so making the celebrity be the art that was kind yeah. of what i took from it because warhol was taking the pop culture and making it art and she's saying let's make the art pop culture uh-huh yeah, yeah yeah you know i like saying? it i get it i get it like the Marilyn on the canvas the jackie on the canvas to now she's like i'm the canvas i'm the canvas bitches i'm here oh, yeah. and i am canvas <laughs> okay i just have to throw on the side note because i thought i read this but you know when you don't write something down you're really insecure about whether or not it's true yeah okay. yes well i was doing that while she was at nyu she was only there for two years, but she wrote an 80 page thesis on Spencer Tunick and Damien Hurst. Oh, so that's and very interesting. Anyway, so <laughs> I wonder if that was like point? a, I don't think Hurst would do it. I don't know. I don't think he thinks he's too cool. And I mean, I think he's too cool. <laughs> Not for Gaga, but like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm of two minds about this album. On one hand, I think it's a good album and I like obviously anytime that people want to talk about art and pop culture together but on the other like half of my brain it feels very try hard it was really like really just pushing an agenda wasn't it uh, yeah. it didn't feel natural or something yeah. I... Solange her artwork feels very natural to me yes I like that comparison I yeah. agree there's something calming about Solange's work it does it feels natural it feels connected it just like makes sense there's something calming about saying Solange's name yeah <laughs> Solange yeah. <laughs> like it's very nice yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's fair. I personally, I actually totally agree. And it's weird because as an art historian, I feel like I should adore art pop because it is connecting with all these ideas with art and stuff. But I was really a big Gaga fan and I kind of fizzled out after Born This Way. I still really respect her and stuff, but I just art pop didn't do a lot for me musically. Like, I just didn't really enjoy listening to a lot of it repeatedly. Like, I don't think it's bad, but whereas, like, Fame and the Fame Monster and Born This Way, I was like, I love all of this. Mm -hmm. Like, I was very into it. And I still go back and watch old Gaga music videos and, like, really enjoy them. Whereas I don't have that connection to art pop. And I feel weird because I feel like I should because I love art and art history, but I just don't. So I would totally agree that there's something about it that just felt, yeah, try hard. Is I think that what she does is kind of referential. Yes. Like in the main. And then somebody like Solange, I can't necessarily point to like, oh, Solange is doing this exact thing. She's really expressing her own art, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe Um, that's the thing there. That is... Very interesting. And it actually relates to this article I read super quick right before we started recording, which I think brought up kind of a similar point. And it was this article from back, I think, honestly, before Art Pop came out. But it was an article by Javier Panera called Deconstructing Lady Gaga, Pop Culture as a Toolbox. Mm. And He basically brought up this idea, which I think is really interesting, and I want to kind of hear what you guys have to say about it. But he says, more and more voices are indicating that the contemporary artist has become a mere manager of information. And he's basically talking about how her perpetual state of mutation is representative of the desires of the contemporary spectator. So basically, he's not saying she's not an artist, but he's saying she's an artist in the sense that contemporary culture demands an artist that's a manager of information. And that's what she's doing here and isn't really like necessarily bringing out new ideas, but she's managing all of these other ideas. So where that gets interesting is about, okay, who's in charge of the narrative here? Because that makes me think of Bruno Mars, right? A lot of what Bruno Mars does is referencing other music, but it's not what's happening today. It's what he likes or feels inspired by. So he'll Mm -hmm. go and think back to like, Zap and Roger or whatever, someone from the 80s. And he's like, yeah. I want to do a song like that. Whereas it seems like what you were just describing is somebody who's trying to keep up with the demands of, oh, music has gone this direction. So now we need her to be like this. Mm-hmm. That sounds tiresome. Yeah. <laughs> she definitely <laughs> seemed tired in that documentary. Oh, if yeah. I had one word to describe her in that, it was exhausted. That was something that very much so in the documentary, I would recommend it to anyone that's even interested in Lady Gaga, because I think it's a really honest portrayal of her. Yeah, she seems very tired, but still wanting to do what she does, Mm -hmm. like still very much engaged, but very like tired. She's just at a point where she just wants to be like stripped bare and just not be a spectacle anymore. And this article was written well before this album. So I totally agree. I think that idea of just being a manager of not only what's happening contemporarily, but like all art historical references and music references and film references, like 
that sounds exhausting. Yeah, and have to be political and performing and also she, trying to live your normal life. Like, yeah. That's a lot. She did it to herself in that she decided she wanted to be a person who was going to tackle, you know, political issues and mm -hmm. that she wanted to talk about gender in different ways or that she wanted to be responsible for people who were bullied or is that where her gender is with the monster thing? Or something yeah, yeah, yeah. She's really she, concerned with like cyber bullying and just bullying yeah. in general. She took all this on and then this art thing as well. In a weird way, I totally see what you're saying. In a weird way, I feel like Almost. And this is coming from just what I got from that recent documentary. I feel like Gaga's mind is all over the place. 100%. Well, do you guys know, like, she was like a child prodigy? I didn't know this. Okay, so she started playing piano at age four. Oh. Yeah. So started playing at age four. By 11, she was accepted into Juilliard and didn't what? go. Yeah. <laughs> she was accepted to Juilliard, didn't go. By 13, she had written her first piano ballad. By 14, she was playing in clubs. And then she was admitted to the Tisch School of the Arts at NYU Whoa. early, early honors. Only 20 people have ever been accepted early. And she was one of them. And she only stayed for two years before she dropped out. Damn, what girl. <laughs> well, I, honestly, that's kind of what I'm thinking, though, and not in the sense that she's a quitter, but she's not really a finisher. She's got big ambition. She like wants to do things. And obviously, she does finish things. She finishes songs. She finishes music yeah. videos, whatever. But if you kind of take this mold of her like starting doing this and breaking off, she created this huge persona of costume and the always changing, always changing, never being a stagnant person that you could be like, this is who she is. And then she got to a point where she's like, I can't keep this up anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, and it kind of seems like a pattern of her life of going really fast and hard at something and doing it really well, but then getting to a point where it's just not sustainable anymore and needing to well, like I mean, jump. I can relate to that on like a yeah. personal level. <laughs> yeah. For real. Yeah. I think we all can. And the same thing happened with Nicki Minaj as well. And they were kind of contemporaries. You know, they got just like, oh, I want to outdo myself. I want to look even more wild than mm -hmm. I looked the last night. And then it, it just reaches a point where it actually becomes boring. It's like Donald Trump. It's like, he's like, I can't be surprised by yeah. the stuff. It's anymore. uninteresting at this point. You yeah. can only take the Like, are you going to so blow us far. up or not? Are you, yeah. <laughs> are you going to blow us up or not? <laughs> Yeah, I totally. And that I think you see her grappling with that in the documentary. You know, she doesn't want to just keep going bigger and harder. She wants to strip back. Yeah. She wants to be more human and more herself and mm. less performance, which is really interesting. But she feels that way while equally being concerned about her fans and what they're going to yeah. think of it because she feels a sense of responsibility to these people that she has sold a character to and she's been Lady Gaga. I mean, I, for those of you that don't know, this is not her God-given name. <laughs> <laughs> it is a persona that she created and did wonderfully. I mean, but it's not sustainable. And now she wants to be able to like lounge around in shorts and a t-shirt and no makeup and hair down and like be fine. And I don't think equally... that's working for her. Yeah, I don't think that she thinks it's working either. I think she can feel the resistance from her fans. The ambivalence, maybe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She also just might need a break. I could see her coming back in a few years and being like, 
ready to do the performance thing again, but she might just need to chill for a little while. Yeah, she you needs know? to take a Miley. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, do people wait? You know? Yeah. That's an interesting thing about Lady Gaga and her fans. I think it is something comparable to like the Beehive and Beyonce's fans. It's like people who really love Gaga really love Gaga. Yes, Just like Gaga. Yeah, exactly. Like they attached to her. And that was another thing today when I was going back and watching all these old videos, I would scan the comments and so many people were like, who's here in 2018 on videos from like 10 years ago, you know? I think people that were with her in those early years of fame, fame monster and a born this way, I think a lot of them will always have an attachment to her. So I do think she's always going to have a fan base. I think some people will weed out. But... Well, also, let's talk about her upcoming stuff. So she's going to be starring in the new version of A Star is Born oh, yeah. with Bradley Cooper. Oh, yeah. I just saw someone saying, like, why are they doing this again? (laughs) I'm excited, personally. I don't know how the rest of the world feels, but I I also... A a bodyguard type of thing? No. Okay, so you have to watch the original. I saw it for the first time, like, six months ago. And it's Barbara Streisand, or not, okay, so there's four technically, but the first one was like in the 30s, the second one was in the 50s, the most recent was in the 70s. And it's Streisand and Chris Christopherson. And he plays a well-known musician, like super famous rock star who falls in love with this no-name girl who just has an amazing voice and kind of carries her up to stardom. But at the same time, he has this decline into vices and whatnot. So it's like she's rising as he's kind of falling, even though he's the one who brought her up. And it's this tumultuous love story. It's awesome. Chris Christopherson is a babe also, if you don't know. (laughs) Much my type. (laughs) That reminds me of the Johnny Cash movie. Oh, Walk Walk the Line? Yeah, a similar story, kind of. A similar love story. Yeah, I could see some overlap. It gets like rock, like people screaming their name. Well, I guess Johnny Cash is that way too. But anyway, (laughs) I don't know. I'm excited for it. I'll check it out. That's her next gig then. Yeah, Yeah. I think so. I think so. But she's definitely going to be stripped down bare. Like that character is a pretty raw character when Streisand plays it. So I can't imagine what Gaga is going to do with it. Yeah, from the previews I've seen, it's bare-faced Gaga. Mm -hmm. It's like her... Are there previews? We're at that stage? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to look this up. Yeah, definitely. I have a couple more fun art history connections to Gaga that I think... (laughs) that I think are important. When I started researching this and like thinking about Gaga and Drag Race and her different personas and stuff, I instantly made this connection. And it might be because we recently did an episode on her, but I instantly made this connection to Cindy Sherman and like her performative identities and like exploring different identities. And I was like, I think there's a connection there. But as I was reading, it wasn't just something I created in my mind. Apparently, Lady Gaga is a fan of Cindy Sherman's Mm -hmm. and intentionally works within that vein of intense, sometimes absurdist plays on personal identity and then like performing them for the audience, Mm -hmm. you know, creating performances, music videos, whatever, for the audience in these different identities, the same way Cindy Sherman was creating photographs, you know? 
So I think there's a very interesting interplay there. And it was interesting for me to find out that it was intentional, that there's actually like admiration that Lady Gaga has for Cindy Sherman. And it kind of makes me want to go back and watch Lady Gaga like videos or outfits and see if I see any more specific kinds of connections between the two. I don't know. Something to think about. It's definitely interesting. She's explicitly said that, that she's a fan of Cindy Sherman. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know any more than that, except that she's just said that she's a fan of Cindy Sherman. (laughs) But yeah, she has said that she enjoys her work. So I think there's probably some intentional interplay going on there. Yeah. And then this one, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but I do think it's something to discuss is... So pretty much I feel like when anyone mentions Lady Gaga, even if you're not a Lady Gaga fan, everyone jumps to the meat dress, the infamous meat dress. (laughs) And I think it's really interesting to note Carolee Schneeman's 1964 performance, Meat Joy, which was like a performance artwork of women with meat and like handling meat and engaging with meat. (laughs) Just all meat, all day. All me. And once again, I don't know if that was an intentional reference, but aesthetically, very similar. You know, you have this bright red raw meat on a body in the video. No, in the, sorry, I didn't hear the name of the person that you referenced. Oh, Carolee Schneeman? Yes. Is she wearing as as clothes or she's just handling meat? So it's a performance and there's multiple people. It's okay. not just her, but it's multiple people and they're like dancing yeah. with it. And like, I can't remember. I'm looking it up right now because I can't like remember if they're wearing it. With but... it. And it's definitely coming in contact with their bodies. And it's definitely a bodily interaction with raw meat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the first and last time that will ever be said. <laughs> You you just made like the Guinness Book of World Records right there. Yeah. So, I mean, that could be an interesting connection. Uh, Nat just pulled it. up the video. Go ahead. Go ahead. What are you saying? I was just saying I always thought of it as being like a, I took the most simple conclusion that it was about being like a piece of meat or being treated Occam's like a razor, piece of meat. man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, they... In the episode, the what, season nine, episode one of Drag Race that we were talking about earlier, Oh My Gaga. Oh My Gaga, yeah. One of the queens wears that frock where she's wearing felt. Oh, yeah. And they talked about how it was after someone had made a comment about her looking like a little bit fat or like they had made a comment about her weight, essentially, Mm -hmm. something derogatory. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And so she wore that. Uh Uh-huh. She knew knew the dress from... On the runway and she asked if she could wear it for that reason so she obviously is thinking about things like that that could have been following someone you know objectifying her really i mean i'm sure that happened constantly especially when she was yeah. starting but because it could have she been had, a reference like, weight fluctuations after she injured herself or something didn't she yeah yeah and then people uh, were like you're fat or whatever like they do yeah like they do let me be myself live mm-hmm. my best right. life I mean, I definitely think, though, that those ideas could probably be seen in Meat Joy, like humans as pieces of meat. It could be coincidental. It could be an intentional thing. It could be someone just kind of had the idea and ran with it. Yeah, it's so hard to know with especially like the House of Gaga. And she has these creatives kind of like feeding her ideas, her own ideas. She's in with fashion. Like 
it's kind of hard to know where things are originating from her mm-hmm. and her consciousness or where people are influencing her. If I had to guess, I would say the dress was probably from her point of view, a little bit more of the objectification, the I am meat than the meat joy. I doubt she got to this, but it would be cool if someone did connect her to this video. Yeah. I wonder how much a project like Art Pop gets dumbed down when you're somebody that's such a machine like Lady Gaga. Yeah. I wonder mm-hmm. if she came in with these crazy like avant-garde ideas with like these obscure art historical references and they were like, no, it's going to be Botticelli because that's the level. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I just yeah. wonder how much she's had to like dial back what she's wanted to do or how much people have just said, oh, okay, we heard you have this art idea. How about these things? Or I don't know. Yeah, yeah definitely. So many question marks. I think it's really interesting. I was mentioning earlier, like I was reading some articles of different people picking apart the applause video. And mm-hmm. it's interesting to see what people pull because a lot of the references are there. But also, I think some people went in with like, okay, art pop, this is art. Like, I'm going to go super art history. And then they were pulling references that, in my opinion, were not there. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the scene where she, her head is on a swan. And like one article I read, like compared it to this really random sketch by Picasso that doesn't really. I saw the same article. I said to myself, this is garbage. And I clicked (laughs) off of it. I was like, yeah, this is. Yeah, no, I I totally know. There were definitely some references with that. I think they were right. There were some references that were there. I saw it and I was like, yeah, that's there. But then there were so many of them that I was like, that's not there. Like, I don't mind throwing out like I think throwing out crazy ideas is how you get to interesting stuff. But that's not there. Yeah, (laughs) meat joy. (laughs) The reason it bothered me is because it was pitching it as like these references are there that you Mm -hmm. should know instead of saying like, oh, look at these happy accidents or. Yeah, exactly. Also, too, not anything that's rooted in ideology or theme or anything. It was just purely visual. Like she's a bird. Picasso did a bird. Same. Same thing. It's the same. He drew a bird once and she is a bird now. So that's obviously what she's talking about. Like, there's no concept. There's no anything. Exactly. It's like the most big level. Yeah. Once again, like, I love just random ideas about art history and like throwing out those ideas. But yeah, you're right. It was framed as a this is an art historical guide to Lady Gaga. And it was not. Yeah, no. If they would have framed it as, hey, I went through Lady Gaga's applause video and these are some things I found, that would have been different, you know, in some of those references. Yeah. It was actually exactly when I hit the bird win where I was like, I'm (laughs) done with this. Like, I am out. (laughs) So for all I know, it got brilliant after that, but I was like, no. (laughs) Game over. Let's see if did I have anything else to say? I guess I don't really have much to go into, but there's also the aspect kind of moving away from art pop, which is, as I said, kind of the Lady Gaga I'm more familiar with. Her earlier stuff like the Alejandro video and the Judas video and some of her other videos as well, you have a lot of references to religious imagery, which Mm -hmm. is just 
basically the history of art as well. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. If you are dealing in religious imagery, you're dealing in art history. So yeah. I think both of those videos can be really interesting examinations of symbolism and what Lady Gaga does and her artistry. Because um, she went to Catholic school, right? Yes. Or, yes. Yes. That's where she went instead of Juilliard. You were the Gaga bio expert today. I, I got the bio. Yeah, she took on the bio today. Yeah. <laughs> so it was an all-girls school in New York called the Covenant of the Sacred Heart. Wow. <laughs> there's, I mean, there's plenty of imagery right in that name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's true, actually. Yeah, let's Have dissect for small children. <laughs> <laughs> but for real, that intensely, like we've talked about this on the podcast before, that like Catholicism is fascinating and it can be very violent and it can be very sexual and just intense emotions can arise when you go deep into Catholic imagery. And I feel like she has used that to her benefit many times. My initial thing with that before I knew that she went to Catholic school is that she was just trying to pick up where Madonna left off and then take it further. Because obviously mm -hmm. Madonna had done a lot around that. The Met mm -hmm. exhibition, fashion exhibition was on that. I don't know if it's yep. still on. Catholic imagery is so powerful and is so emotive that it is kind of an easy thing to latch on to for visuals. I went to Catholic school. I grew up Catholic and like Catholic experience, I think, draws on emotion, draws on mm -hmm. intense shame and it draws on like intense. <laughs> Everything's intense, but like, it's also intensely beautiful. Mm -hmm. Catholic cathedrals are unreal, you know? And then when you think about things like, if you want to talk about Catholic imagery and intensity, like you can think about things like ecstasy of St. Teresa yeah. and like these weird kind of sexual overlays yeah. and like, it's just intense. Once you get it. It does iconography so well. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they were pretty much art forever yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. for the longest time. Catholic art makes up such a huge percentage of art history mm -hmm. that yeah. it's yeah, almost Western one in the same. Yeah, true yeah. Western art history. Thank you. So it's just in your face all the time. Yeah, right. And that's, I mean, even that if you don't grow up Catholic. Look at the bloody hands of Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> it's like really intense stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Even in the, the guy video where it's largely around this kind of Venus story, there's a part where she's like heiress or something as she crashes to the ground. And then these guys pick her up and they drag her across to this pool and drop into, her like the mansion. And, <laughs> yes. Into this mansion where Andy Cohen is the yeah. son or God. Yeah, yeah. As Nat pointed out, yeah, the Corey, like, Teletubbies really son. Bravo. Yeah, so I had to point yes. out Real Housewives. Is that what the Teletubbies baby becomes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. If I found out that Andy Cohen was the original Teletubbies baby oh somehow, that would make my life. The Housewives playing the music was the most struggle thing like I've ever seen. But anyway. Um, <laughs> the way Trying to stay on rhythm. Oh my god, it was so bad, babe. Just bang that, bang that tambourine, honey. It's really not that hard. Well, and you know that she was apparently a music video babe back in the day. Like she used mm. to be in rock music videos. Apparently, I don't know. Anyway, real but the way, they, they carry Gaga kind of like Jesus on the cross, even though that's not the narrative of that video. So she kind of carried that through. Actually, 
Did one of you do a dissertation on Judas, the Judas video? Oh, I just wrote a paper on it in undergrad. Nothing too serious. But yeah, in undergrad, it was actually for a New Testament class in undergrad. Way to push the boundaries, Gordon. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote my final paper for that class on uh, the Judas video. I was watching again today and I was trying really hard to remember what exactly I was arguing, but I can't. But I was trying to be like really edgy and like, <laughs> and like interesting about both the imagery in the video and the music and the lyrics and the idea of being in love with Judas and what that's trying to say about, I don't know, relationship to Christianity and Catholicism and flipping that script almost as like Judas as the savior and Jesus as the uh, bad guy. (laughs) I was was looking at it today and I was like confused about it. First I was like, okay, is she Jesus? No, she's Mary Magdalene. Work that out. Yeah. Then she's the guy with the thorns. I'm like, well, he's got to be Jesus. But then she seems to be in love with him and not the guy. I was confused. (laughs) I don't want to like claim to have totally hashed all that out because that was a long time ago. And I I feel like you need to find this paper and turn it into a blog post. (laughs) I think you need to read it as one podcast episode. Just just a monologue of Corey (laughs) reading. Oh my God. Corey reading. That would be a great series is us reading our undergrad papers. Oh my God. 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 We could do a a YouTube video. We could do a YouTube video. Just excerpts. I couldn't read a whole one. Be too I've seen YouTube videos like that where people are like, I read my old diary entries. We could read our old undergrad papers. Oh, it could I, be like that segment on, is it Jimmy Kimmel, where like celebrities read mean tweets? Yeah. Art history babes read old embarrassing papers. He's so great. And you know, like you write something and you're like, I freaking crush this. You know, yeah. like, just, like, <laughs> you go back and you're just like, what on earth? Like, this what is incoherent. I, what was exactly. I talking about? Yeah. <laughs> rough, rough. rough. Well, I feel like we've covered a lot. Do you have any other stuff you want to say about Lady Gaga or Drag Race? We can yeah, circle pull them. that in. Any last thoughts on this oh, very rich topic? <laughs> Here's one question I had for you guys. Would yeah. you consider Lady Gaga to be a performance artist? Oof. <laughs> I got silent there. Yeah, because I could really honestly go either way. I think I've seen just enough. And again, I'm not a Lady Gaga fan. I don't know a ton about her. I'm new on the bandwagon. But I think that I could be convinced either way because I've seen moments where I'm like, oh, she's truly like an artist. And I see that. And then there's other moments where I'm like, I don't know. I could see her just kind of being swept up. I think she yeah. could too. And I think she started out with really strong roots in the arts. This is my total assumption based on what I know. It's not a lot. So take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> I think she started out with really strong ties to arts and wanting to be involved in art history and have this narrative. And I think that she's gotten very big and famous and gotten swept away. And I think she's got other things going on and she's at a place where it's harder to connect to that. And she's trying to connect to something else. I don't think that she's just disconnected. But I don't think she has those art historical roots anymore. I don't think she's really rooted in the history of art. And I think she's trying to figure out how to create her own art in a way that's unique and is something kind of separate. Mm -hmm. And she's in this in-between place where she's not quite doing either right. She's not really doing either justice, but I hope she figures it out. 
I don't know. I'm probably getting too deep with Lady Gaga, <laughs> but that's my... I can only answer this by, by gut and coming back to my point of her versus like a Solange. Mm-hmm. I feel really comfortable saying Solange is a performance artist. If you asked yeah. me that, I would be like, yeah, I feel like she is. In my gut, I just... We, like you said, we got quiet. It's like, I'm not sure. I don't feel comfortable calling Lady Gaga that. And I can't put my finger on For what sure. that is. Maybe it's authenticity. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with what both of you said. I think my take is that if I were to define her as a performance artist, it would be in the pop art space. So like a pop art, yeah. a la Andy Warhol performance artist, which is interesting mm-hmm. in its own right. But different, but also not necessarily saying a lot. Yeah. In 30 years time, will anyone be looking back on Gaga's music? I think so. I think there's definitely a culture that will be. Like I said, kind of just back to what I experienced going through YouTube today. There's a lot of people, and granted, it's only been 10 years. There's a lot of people that were like, it's been 10 years since, like, take me back to this music. Like, I miss this Gaga. I miss this, you know, like I was watching like the telephone video with her and Beyonce. Mm -hmm. And there were a bunch of comments from this year of people just like, oh, my God, this was so ahead of its time. And like people just really expressing that. And then I also think that in what she's done. She has meant a lot to populations that feel outside the norm, you know, like be it LGBTQIA or just like anyone who just doesn't feel like they fit in. Yeah. I think really attaches to Lady Gaga. So I do think she will have staying power in that sense. I don't know if she'll always be the Lady Gaga she was when she first hit the scene. I don't think she is anymore. Yeah. I think... The thing about watching the documentary is being able to see her so raw in just herself versus the person on stage, the person in costume. I think that's why I'm seeing this break between two different people. And it's like being able to actually see it played out on screen where you see the performer, you see the performance, and then you see the real person underneath struggling with what it is to uphold this persona and everything that comes with it. I don't think she's ever going to be that Lady Gaga again. She's just not built that way anymore. But I think that that Lady Gaga that she's kind of left behind has the best chance of staying and living on. Whereas where she is now, I hope that she'll be able to create something that will be just as impactful. But I'm not convinced that she will be able to create something that's as lasting as what she's already created. I mean, think about like, I I look back at like Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan had a time mm -hmm. and then he kept creating. He's still creating, but he's past. He will be known for what he did a long time ago. And that's great. That's how he'll live on. The other things will fade away. And I think there's a chance that she'll have something like that. Well, I think I totally agree. And I think that actually is very reminiscent of Madonna. Mm -hmm. Madonna will always be Madonna and she will always be very important for being Madonna. But things she's doing now aren't that important. But she will always be Madonna. You know what I mean? Well, that's interesting. It's the same with Janet Jackson. Yeah. Janet Jackson's mm-hmm. making songs and everyone's like, girl, just play the hits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm about to see her in like three days. I'll let you guys know how it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, you might find yourself upset when she plays her new album. And then you're just like, if you don't play control, I'm going to lose it. Yeah. You know? Or I'll just go home. It's going to be late. Yeah. I'm going to be tired. It'll have been a long day. I'll just go home. And I think that that's something that most pop artists go through. Yeah. I was also thinking for some reason Cher came to mind. 
Cher will mm. always be Cher. That doesn't mean she's making anything that's interesting right now, you know? Yeah, well, it's like the artist dilemma. They almost have to choose their path, it feels like, mm. at a certain point, because we were talking about the fast burn and how artists yeah. can come to fame really fast. You mentioned earlier Nicki Minaj. We kind of were talking about Lady Gaga in this sense. We've talked about it in terms of the art market and artists, that if an artist comes to rise too fast and too abruptly and it just explodes then that can be it it's like a star they're gone and suddenly people don't care mm -hmm. and it fades out it's like you have to put down the foundations in a really meticulous and thoughtful way to build something that's long lasting and not everyone has time or the desire to do it that way yeah some people want that quick burn and that's i mean it's to be valued but it doesn't. She's young. I mean, she's got to be early 30s, Gaga. Yeah, she's like 30. Um, yeah, she two, must have been recording this in like 2016 and she was 30. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, she's got that much time times two probably or whatever to have to figure out what she's going to do. But she also and now has this bad hip and like all of these physical ailments that are holding her back from what she was doing before. So she's definitely at a crossroads of needing to just figure out what her life's going to look like now. There's a moment in the documentary, too, though, where she talks about how she in a very enthusiastic way, she's like, I want to be an old rocker lady. I think probably like a la Stevie Nicks or something, you know, just like an older rocker lady that still has her fan base and is just like making whatever music that she can make performing mm -hmm. the way she can perform. And I think she will always have a fan base that appreciates that. Yeah, sure. I hope so. Because she's earned it at this point. Yeah. What if Lady Gaga becomes Stevie Nicks? Go for the year. Be rad. Yeah, I want to see when she gets old. I want to see Rihanna when she's old. Oh I my just, god. <laughs> I, I'm just really wanting to see that. I think she would just be a trip. I agree. That's going to be interesting. I can't see it. I can't either, but it's, it'll probably I can't even be great. see her with one wrinkle on her face. I cannot envision her with a single wrinkle because she doesn't really smile even really. <laughs> so it's just like always this perfectly flawless face. Very true. With not a blemish. Um, I there was speaking of Rihanna, I saw this really great astrological meme set recently where it was every astrology sign. They were all photos of Rihanna drinking wine in public places. <laughs> and there were enough yes. differentiations yeah. to make. Oh, that's amazing. It was hilarious. I was like, this is fantastic. It was just like her with yeah. a glass of wine in a public place. But they Different all, personality types. Yeah, they all worked for like each astrological sign. It was fantastic. <laughs> We're going to have to look that up. That's amazing. I, I'm literally going to Google that. Yeah, definitely do. All right. So is that where we stand on Lady Gaga? We talked for a long time. We did. Wow. We did. I didn't know I had so many words. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if it's cool with you, Farron, we're going to read a really quick listener mail and then we'll kind of wrap this baby up. Sounds good. All right. So we got this email from E.G. Park, who is a Ph.D. in art history. The subject is apeshit episode listeners question. I just discovered your podcast. I love how accessible it is. I will recommend your podcast to my students. Thank you, E.J. Appreciate it. So the first podcast I heard was the Ape Shit episode where you tried to answer some questions from a listener. Here are my recommendations. So in the Ape Shit episode, we read a listener mail asking us about different sources for both feminist art history and queer art history. Mm -hmm. And we had a few ideas, but we kind of 
left it open to our listeners yeah. to send in more ideas. Exactly. Yeah. And EJ came through and his first suggestion, I actually have this book and this is a great book. Whitney Chaddock's Women, Art, and Society is a good place to start. It is a good place to start. I had a women and art class in undergrad, and that was our textbook. So definitely check that out. It's a very solid book. And it's, oh, what's that publisher that does so many of the oh, art? Oh, Fion? Yes. It's oh, a they make such good books. Book. Fion. Yeah. Yep. Hope there's a D in there. They do so many really good art history books. So yeah, check that out. And then let's see. Queer Art History is an undergrad class that is taught by Richard Mann at SFSU. The listener with the question should look at his syllabus for readings. So that is Queer Art History by Richard Mann at SFSU. Queer Asian American Art is a title of an anthology that came out last year where I contributed an essay on subjectivity. Very cool. You go, EJ. And then Art of Art History, wait, Art of Art History is an anthology by Preziosi. Art, Visual Culture and Aesthetics is another great anthology from the Clark Institute. And then he says, keep up the great work. EJ Park, PhD in Art History. So thank you, EJ, for those recommendations for all of our art history undergrads and graduate students out there Mm -hmm. that are looking for some suggestions. Check those out. Let us know what you think. If you haven't, you should all listen to the Apeshit episode. And then after you listen to our Apeshit episode, you should go listen to Farron's Apeshit episode. Listen to all the Apeshit episodes. You'll have so much to think and talk about. Yeah, definitely. All right. So, wow, we have been talking for a long time. Oh man, <laughs> this How late is really is it fun. I we really enjoyed having you on the show, Farron. Thank you so much uh, for reaching thank you out. For me. I'm so glad you guys were up for doing it. It's been really fun to talk to you. Yeah, yeah, you've been great. This has been super fun. If you want to do something like this again in the future, we could totally make it happen. Yeah, anytime. Yeah, I like the idea that it's like kind of related episodes as well. We'll have to mm-hmm. think of another one in in the future. I'm sure we could, since now we've had one intentional crossover episode and one unintentional. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It's probably more. Yeah, for sure. So definitely let's keep the ideas rolling. We can do something again in the future. Thank you so much for being on the show. Everyone, please check out Farron's podcast. It's lovely, fantastic. I just listened to the Simpsons episode the other day and I loved it. I immediately want to do a Simpsons related YouTube video or something. Mm -hmm. There's just like so much there. It was very interesting. Yeah, there's way more there than we could cover in the episode. So you totally should. Yeah, it was great. But yeah, we'll hopefully work with you again in the future. And thank you everyone so much for listening to our unpacking of Lady Gaga. (laughs) It's been a good time. (laughs) Make sure to check out our YouTube channel, which is it's getting hot. We're getting we're getting on top of things with the YouTube channel. So get on it's ramping there. up. Don't miss out. Don't miss out on all the content that's coming through on YouTube. We're all over the social medias. You can find us on Instagram, on Twitter, on Tumblr. Email us at arthistorybabes at gmail.com with any thoughts or questions or anything like that. But yeah, all kinds of stuff out there from the Art History Babes to look into. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here, Farron. And we'll catch y'all next time. All right. Bye. From Cabernet to Montclair, they're here to slay the Art History Babes.
also there's so many like things in dermatology and stuff where people are just looking <laughs> young for a lot longer. That's true. <laughs> J-Lo does not age. Like, I mean, look at Vanna White. It's insane. It, and she's it really like, not like, even it makes of... me upset yeah. how young she looks. I'm like, how is that possible? The Art History Babes podcast is made possible by support from our lovely listeners via Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash arthistorybabes to help keep the Art History Babes going and for access to bonus content.